0: to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net. MetalNexus.net, where you can keep up to date with all your local news, music reviews, interviews, and so much more. And keeping up with all things Mr. Daniel Terry, how are you doing?
1: Oh, I'm doing good. Trying to keep up to date on some things. I'm running horribly behind. It's been fantastic.
0: Yeah, it feels like we haven't really uh, talked much this week. You and I have both been uh, been working our asses off. Uh, both at our quote-unquote day jobs, and as well as me traveling about 300 miles uh, to and from to go do this uh, interview with Phil Labonte of All That Remains.
1: Worth it, I think.
0: Yeah, it's it definitely, you know, this interview is short. It's only like 15, 16 minutes, but it doesn't feel like a, a very short interview, and, and I don't know if that's just due to the nature of, like, bouncing around from a couple of different uh, topics, or just, you know, Phil's really candid answers on everything, but uh it was kinda interesting, and uh it was the first interview I've done on a bus.
1: Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. I mean it definitely was content packed he had a serious voice on like a hundred percent like he was very like just seemed very um i don't know want to say sober's the right word, but just very like stops and actually thinks about what she said before throwing it out there i like even at one point where he's like yeah i'm sorry i don't have a canned answer for that
0: i know and that was like a really i i don't know if anyone's ever just flat out said i don't have a canned answer for that but it made me feel really good that like i asked a question that he didn't have a canned answer for and especially given what we were talking about at that time
1: yeah i mean it was super it was a little bit of humor and a kind of a serious conversation and uh you know, your guys' chat about Ollie was uh, handled with the type of care that I really don't see in a lot of these interviews. It's like instead of being like, you know, hey guys, how's everything going? It seems like a lot of interviewers lately have just been like, "So Ollie, you know, uh, this has got to be devastating." It's like, yeah, dude, it's fucking devastating. What do you want me to say? You know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I had even kind of made the comment because when trying to do some, you know, Dan and I constantly are riding this fence of like, how much research do you do to where you're not doing too much and you're being robotic versus having a natural conversation. But I kind of was looking to see how much they have talked about it, uh, the passing of Oli and, and how it re- correlates to getting Jason, how everything's been going with the touring so far and so forth. And um, yeah, there is just a lot of, I don't know if egregious is the word I want to use, but there's just... Yeah, it's just not really held with with handled with tact, I guess, maybe.
1: I've definitely heard some straight up asshole questions asked, you know, and it's just like, dude, you know, if somebody came in asking me questions like that about a friend of mine, I'd be like, dude, come on, you know, that that passed away. I'd be like, dude, come on. You know, but um I I think I I really liked his response, you know, when you were asking him, you know, do you feel like this was a good send-off? Yeah. You know, for for Ollie and um, I liked that he gave more of a behind the curtains. He's like, dude, he's infinitely better than just what you hear on all the all that remains. You know, uh, which is something I think a lot of people don't think about. You know, it's it's easy to say, you know, oh, do you think that this is him at the top of his game? And he's like, dude, the the top of his game was like literally the clouds, right? You know, and so I thought that was a a, a better, more kind of heartfelt response. Instead of instead of him either coldly telling you, I don't want to talk about this or, (laughs) or, you know, anything like that. And um, it definitely was a lot more pleasant for me to listen to uh, this time around Um, (laughs) just because I wasn't I wasn't fighting, you know, you know, opening band number three, four, five. And uh, so that was that was a lot of fun for me. I thought it was good, man, only for for 15, 16 minutes. And um, it was very to the point. A lot of good information in there.
0: Well, it's kind of funny, though, because like I used to be of the mind that I didn't want to have any repeat guests or if I did, it was so spaced out from where the, when the last time they had come on. And I'm starting to kind of realize that actually maybe that's the thing that's kind of nice about having a repeat guest is that there's a little bit more familiarity with between the two people or, you know, whatever. And so you're, you're kind of picking back up on a conversation that you've already had.
1: Yeah, it's true. And, you know, he capped it off. Certainly like, yeah, we could talk again, you know, but. Uh... That's kind of a a good indicator of like yeah you're a press person but like I don't I don't see you as just like another press person you're somebody that I actually enjoy talking to um, which you know opens up the door for me for next time hopefully and uh, you know I can get some of my uh, see see how he feels about you know my brand of throwing down questions.
0: <laughs> Speaking of uh, throwing down, I'm currently enjoying a Big Lake Brewing. Uh, Lake Hazed and Confused, it's a, quote-unquote, a crushable New England IPA with blackberries. Interesting. It is. Um, I decided to, over the next couple episodes, we're going to, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's easy to drink what's local. um, But it's so weird. I mean, I don't know if you're getting this in in St. Louis, um, but it's one of those things where Michigan is just, you know, has so many breweries and distilleries and such that it's like, I was at the beer store and looking at the singles and there were so many beers that I didn't even I didn't even know these places existed, let alone the various types of beers. And it's getting to the point where you're just kind of like so overwhelmed by like, well, I mean, that sounds good. But like, so do 17 of these other beers. Right. But I also don't want to pay five dollars each for one.
1: It could be really hard to tell sometimes, you know, that that's one of the big ones for me is like I'm really guilty of just buying a beer because the can or bottle looks cool. It's like, for me, it's part of the appeal. And I've definitely had some really horrible beers uh, as a result of that. Um, and the most recent one that I've actually gotten was uh, was the, well, it's Rogue Brewing, but it's, uh, or Rogue Ales, rather. Uh, and it's the Dead Guy Ale. And unfortunately, uh, while it doesn't make me feel as good as the band Dead Guy makes me feel, uh, which is a little frustrating, uh, however, I mean, it was okay, but it was definitely, uh, more middle of the road, and I don't know if it's just me, but it was, um, I was expecting something really strong and kind of ended up with something that was just a little bit more drinkable.
0: Yeah, this is a, I'm not super big on New England IPAs, coincidentally enough, when I was out in Rhode Island, uh, they had a New England style IPA that was really good, and I, I can't remember exactly what it was, I'm sure it'll pop up on my Facebook uh, memories eventually. Uh, actually, probably in the next uh, three weeks is going to be my guess. Because um, the trip uh, to that is getting ready to pop up. But, uh, no, like, I didn't realize, you know, obviously, you know, there's dippos and so forth. But, like, this, this New England style IPA I feel like is something relatively new in the last two to three years that I've not seen anywhere else. So it's – I feel like this is kind of like one of the newer styles of beer that still kind of uh, – an untapped uh, subgenre, a subcategory of beers, because uh, like I said, I haven't seen too many of these out and about. And usually, when you see them, it's just like, "Oh, here's someone sos New England style IPA," and that's it.
1: Yeah, and, and half the time it's like, I, I love it because at first I thought it was kind of a gimmick. Like I was just like, "Oh, okay, New England style IPA." Like Jesus, I mean, you know, how many more styles of IPA can we have? But there definitely is something a little, a little bit more. If you can call IPAs fresh uh, yeah. <laughs> about it. Um, and, and I don't know what it is, if, if IPA is just becoming like America's New Light Beer <laughs> or what the deal is. But um, I know that once I went down the IPA path, I've never really looked back. It it kind of makes, because I used to be really into stouts and, and now it's hard for me to really do enjoy a good stout because I'm like, yeah, but this IPA that I'm drinking is like bursting with flavor and a stout's like eating like buttered noodles. <laughs> in comparison so it's hard to it's hard to really to, to really go back to something that's so, so much more bland tasting and like i know it's good i know it's like a me problem yeah but I, I don't know i i can't i can't deny that it's completely taken over
0: yeah i uh i'm actually enjoying this at first like the first couple of sips i hadn't had a I have haven't had an ipa in quite a while and uh let alone a new england style and at first I was like, I'm kind of regretting getting this, but now I'm about halfway through this can and I'm like, okay, there it is. Like the good blackberry flavor, a nice, that new England style kind of IPA bites, but it's kind of light and refreshing. Like you were just saying, uh, all in all, I would definitely like this. I would like to actually see if they have this on tap and see how this is on, on tap straight from the source.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. That might be cool. Yeah, I'll have to keep my eye open for it. I don't, I don't think I've seen it, but then again, a lot of the times I've just been in and out of gas stations. I haven't gone to an actual liquor store. Uh, in a long time, so I have to stop over by Friar Tucks and see what they've got going on.
0: And speaking of what's going on, let's get into my conversation with Phil Lebontsi of All That Remains, and we'll talk to you guys afterwards. <music> Maybe it does. And again, maybe my questions make it seem like I, I don't give a fuck because uh, I ask some of the same things. But we'll kind of get right into this. I have the pleasure, once again, again. of sitting across from Phil Labonte, of All That Remains, before a show here in Pontiac at the Crowfoots I within warm. Flames. I think this is the uh, the Legends Tour. Is that what you guys are calling it?
2: Uh, I, to be honest with you, I'm not sure what uh, what In Flames calls it. This is, uh, it's kind of an off. We did two weeks within Flames and then we... Started a head a headliner with uh, with Attila and Escape the Fate and Sleep Signals. And this is an off show. So we jumped on this show. Attila's playing, I think, in Toledo tonight. And then we jumped back with Attila and the rest of the guys
0: yeah, from that tour. Yeah, because I think I was the asshole who tried to ask for Attila, too. And they're like, they're not on this, day Yeah, like, wrong oh.
2: tour, buddy. By a day <laughs> or two. <laughs>
0: um, regardless, though... Um, since I've talked to you last, Victim of a New Disease finally has come out. Uh, yes, sir. Indirectly broke the news of a new record even coming, yeah. which I kind of felt yeah. like I ruined all of your promotional planning. No, <laughs> well, I mean,
2: you know, I wouldn't have said it if it wasn't cool to come out, you know? Or yeah, that's, it wasn't true. Cool. that's true.
0: That's yeah. true. Um, you know, I was kind of surprised to see so many people, fans and critics alike, really loving the record and calling it a quote-unquote return. Yeah. Um, The thing that's interesting about that to me, though, is, you know, once it was kind of known that DL was the one producing the record, everyone gives credit to DL for being the person who, well, obviously he's not going to put out some pussy shit, so DL is the reason that All That Remains is back, Uh, but forgetting the fact that you probably all had to pre-write this in your own studios and so forth. Well, I mean,
2: look, we went to DL because he would get the sound that we were looking for, so it's... To say it's because of DL Mm -hmm. is, I guess, partially true. But we picked DL. You know, it's not like we had to go to DL. Right. You know, not like and it's not like, uh, you know, we would have done a different style record had we gone to someone else. We went with DL because we knew that he would be able to get the sound that we were looking for. So if people dig it and they want to say it's because of DL. I don't care (laughs) if people dig it cool then you know you give credit to DL fine but the fact of the matter is you know we're the ones that said we want to do you know a record like this and we're the ones that said we got to find someone that's going to get the sound we're looking for and we went to DL because we were looking for that sound so whoever whoever they want to you know whoever they want to give credit to I don't care. Just not the band. <laughs> yeah, I mean it doesn't matter. Whatever. Credit DL. Credit the label. Credit my mom. I, it doesn't matter to me. Who cares? Um,
0: I kind of wanted to know too. Like, it seemed like you guys rolled out the album very quickly. Like, it wasn't. I mean, you you drop singles very quickly. But instead of having like, we'll say a five month promotional outroll, I think you more or less did it in like a month and a half. Yeah, we it wanted was super quick.
2: We wanted it to come out last year. We wanted the release to be in two thousand eighteen, and. So we com- the time was a little compressed because you can't put a record out in December, <laughs> you know, because no one pays attention. Everyone's too focused on the holidays and, and all those things. Uh, people that work in the music industry stop working after Thanksgiving, and then they don't come back to work until January. Uh, so it was, it, was, it was compressed, but that was because we wanted it to be released in 2018. We didn't want to wait until first quarter of 2019.
0: Do you feel that the the quick rollout of it though actually kinda helped get fans really interested without bogging them down with so much shit so it's still fresh?
2: Maybe. Um I hadn't really given it much thought, so I don't really have a I don't have a canned answer for that. Hey. Um I mean it could have. I, I did I did like the fact that it was, you know, once we announced, I think it was a month and a half, maybe two months tops. Yeah. And so I really liked the way that we kind of, you know, built the announcement up a little bit over the course of, like, two weeks or whatever. Um, and so I felt good about it. Um, but, yeah, you know, look, not that not that I'm, I'm a little apprehensive to make this comparison just because people are going to go ahead and, and, you know, twist it around and crap on us. But, you know, Eminem did a record. He didn't tell anyone. Yeah. and dropped it at midnight. Yeah. You know, he's like, oh, by the way. You know, so the way that records come out nowadays, you can do the, the three, four months of promotion and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I kind of feel like people's attention spans are so short that trying to do a shorter promotional period before the record comes out might be a way to get people's attention a little bit better. You know, hit them with... Hey, this is coming, and then hit them with content. You know, once a week or whatever, for a month until the record drops, and then they can get it. Because if 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 you've got it in the can and it's ready to come out, and you're sitting on it, it's gonna leak. Right. And so the best way to prevent a leak is to have as much ready to go, and then have a very short amount of time to, or at least a, a an abbreviated amount of time to to really ramp up the the promotion for it.
0: So, in prepping for today, the the big struggle, and I don't know if any other media person has has expressed this, it's kind of hard to talk about anything that's happening now because if we want to bring up Jason, we go we fall back to default to Oli. If we want to talk about the new record, sort to of body. sadly we gotta go back to Oli. Yeah. So I'm gonna. Ask some of these questions, and I'm not trying to dig for shit. I just, honestly, there really wasn't a way to kind of talk about it without bringing it yeah. well, up. Well, I the mean, look, thing.
2: Ollie was in the band for 20 years. Right. You know, Ollie was Ollie was the only other original right. member from the first five people that right. joined All That Remains. Uh, so, I mean, that's something that we expect, and we, we, we understand that there's a lot of questions and,
0: and Yeah. Stuff, so yeah i don't know i just feel like sometimes it seems like like even when i was pulling up interviews with you recently i just kind of kept finding the lead on the thing was only this only that only that and it's like all right i I get it but like there's gotta be a way to like talk about something and and try and maybe not to bring it up so all that being said with this unfortunately being the last record that ollie was on do you feel that this is really the the a really great way to kind of go out for him, like really showcasing everything that he has to offer as a guitar player all in one package?
2: I don't know. I I mean, I I don't know. Those kind of questions are really hard because Ollie was, was such a well-rounded musician. Mm -hmm. You know, what he did with us and, and what he did for all that remains was just a sliver of what he did as a musician Um, I've said this before in press as much as people know Ollie for being you know the guy on stage and and being a metal dude he was a probably the best well-rounded musician that I had you know that I at least definitely that I'd ever spent any time with Um, you know the guy could play like seven instruments the guy knew music theory in and out he was literally the best teacher that I'd ever seen he could explain music theory in a way that no other teacher that I've ever seen could could explain it. Uh, he had remarkable patience, and the way that he could articulate the ideas and transfer that knowledge was beyond anything I'd ever seen. and i I've, I've, you know I play guitar i I took lessons when I was you know a kid and in, into my twenties and and I'd had multiple guitar teachers. And hands down, he was the best guitar teacher I'd ever seen. So, whereas everyone knows Ollie because of All That Remains and because of the stuff he's done with All That Remains and because of the music that he wrote for All That Remains, there was more to him. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know that I can say that, that victim of the new disease is... It it doesn't do Ollie justice, and that's not a, a knock on the record because it's right. a, I think it's a great record. It's it's got a ton of cool stuff that Ollie came up with, but if you're if you're looking for something to represent what Ollie was as a musician, he was so much more than just one record. Yeah, you know I think if you if you look at our catalog, that's a good representation. But you have to go way deeper than just one record
0: yeah i think and that's kind of the unfair thing of like you know when someone wants to leave a band and you know you can kind of like okay i'm gonna put it all onto this record or whatever so i mean not knowing and no one knowing how everything was going to pan out it just kind of is like one of those things where like you know i was thinking like oh do you guys as the band feel like wow this is you know a really great record for him to to you know yeah. this is going to be the last one a really great record for yeah him i do
2: i i think that that the record that we wrote with Victim, I think that it's it is it is you know Ollie going out on a high note, I guess, but but I it's ju- it's just maybe because of how well I knew him, right. It's not enough. It doesn't right. it doesn't cover it, you know. It doesn't it doesn't doesn't encapsulate Ollie as a musician or as a uh, even as as a guitar player. He's 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 so much deeper than just one record, you know. Right.
0: Um, With I'll quickly touch on the Grammys Were you surprised to see So many f- Of your counterparts in the music industry Kind of coming to bat for Ollie and, and for Vinnie Paul of not being included Ma- Namely Lizzie Hale I think was the biggest one That really kind of got the, the bandwagon going
2: Well I can't say that, that I'm surprised Because There's a lot of really good people In the, mu- in the metal community Right. like There's a lot of really thoughtful, warm, sweet human beings. And Lizzie is a great, you know, is, is the perfect person to lead that, that charge. You know, as a, I guess as, as a, a, rock, a heavy rock ambassador, you know, I'd follow her to the ends of the earth. You know, she is, the, I can't come up with anyone better than Lizzie Hale. Um, and I'm not surprised that the, the Grammys, you know, did what they did. I mean, not that I have any expectation to ever be nominated for a Grammy, um, but I think Randy did the right thing. Randy from Lamb of God. Right. You know, he didn't go, and he auctioned off the thing. Because metal is, is subversive, you know? Metal's supposed to be for the people that don't want to fit in, that don't care if they fit in. So when people get upset because the metal community is shunned to me i'm just like screw them why do you care they've crapped on us forever you know and and i think i said something like that on twitter i was like you know the 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 grammys have screwed up every single time since metallica and jethro tull right why would you expect them to do it right this time? So, 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 for as far as I'm concerned, you know, I, 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 I'm not surprised. And it, for the people that did care, I'm sorry that they were kind of bummed out. Maybe I'm a little cynical. Right. But, I, I mean, I don't expect the Grammys to get anything right at all. At least when it comes to, you know... To metal. To metal. Right. You know, so, you know, no big surprise to me. They just did what they do normally, which is blow it.
0: (laughs) Uh, Kind of in wrapping up, um, something I kind of thought of uh, in light of Jason kind of coming into the fold and and very quickly uh, for you guys to, to keep still doing shows and so forth. Something I was kind of thinking of was how the correlations between how quickly you seem to have to fill in for people too, between the five finger death punch run and the kill switch, you know, with Howard end up kind of bailing or however that got spun or whatever. So I kind of figured you're in a very unique position to actually understand what it was like to be in Justin's, uh, to be in Justin's position or Jason's position to have to fill in on a moment's notice. or so, in the enormous, Pressure probably that it is. So I kind of wanted to to get your take on in either of those situations. What is it like as soon as you either get that phone call or that email from the band or the publicist or the management or whatever, to the moment you're on stage? What what is that process like for the artist itself?
2: I think for me it was probably different than for Jason. Okay. Um. Because Jason is, Jason is is, uh, he is in the the class of elite yeah guitar definitely. players um so for me it, it it was just sit down and just jam it in my head as much as I could um you know and and so when like for instance when I when I when they called or when the guys in five finger called the first thing I said to Zoltan was send me a set list like literally he he said he said hey you know what are you doing could you come and you know, fill in for a couple shows. And my response wasn't, you know, was just straight up send me a set list. I was like, I need to know the songs that I got to do because I need to start Damn. trying to remember the lyrics <laughs> right the fuck now. <laughs> <laughs> like five, like 20 minutes ago, I needed this. Right. Um, <clears throat> Jason, I think, was probably about as familiar with our stuff as I was with Five Finger. Okay. You know, I, I probably knew most of the choruses. You know, or, or about what they were. I was familiar with the melodies. Uh, didn't know the verses. So I had to learn that stuff. Um, you know, Jason probably was familiar with kind of how the songs went and the arrangements. Didn't know exactly how the riffs went and stuff. Um, but, I mean, this is what I do for a living. Right. So, I like to think of myself as a professional. Um so you know if you're a professional you you don't complain about the fact that you don't have much time you don't complain that things aren't the perfect situation you've got a job to do get up there and do it and if you if you if you can't do the job and don't say yes right. because it's unprofessional to say i can do something and then not be able to do it right. you know um so there's no room for whining there's no room for complaining there's, there's only room for get it done because you said you're going to do it. Right. So, And I think that that's kind of the way that Jason looks at it too.
0: Yeah. Well, unfortunately, that is all the time we have for, for this one. Uh, we'll have to do a part three. And yeah, we can talk you, again. Huh?
2: We can talk again.
0: Yeah. Uh, looking forward to it. So next time you're in uh, Michigan or Grand Rapids specifically, look forward to maybe doing another one. Cheers. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. So that was my conversation with Phil Labonte of All That Remains. Dan couldn't be there to enjoy the very cramped spaces on that tour bus. Um, But, uh, yeah, what did you think of that as a whole? Yeah,
1: I mean, sorry, boss. I wasn't willing to drive nine fucking hours uh, to do a 15-minute interview. Uh,
0: Why? I drove three.
1: (laughs) I definitely did enjoy... I See, I would have driven three. I don't think I would have driven nine. Uh, not for 15 minutes. Uh, I guess it depends on the artist, though, right? Because um, I regularly drive, what, five, six hours out of my way to see Zeo most of the time when they come through the Midwest. Right. Um, but their next stop is supposed to be St. Louis, so there you go. Uh, no, I thought it was a good chat. It was very to the point. There wasn't a lot of filler, which I liked. Um, you've talked to Phil before, so there was a little bit of familiarity there. And not having to, because sometimes you feel like when you haven't talked to somebody ever, there's a little bit of like beat around the bush that has to be gotten out of the way. And uh, with Phil, I mean, you you and him pretty much just like jumped onto it. It was like The Empire Strikes Back, (laughs) Um, you know. And and so that that was a lot. That was a lot of fun. And uh, according to according to Phil himself, you know, we're looking at probably having a Return of the Jedi here before we know it.
0: Yeah, I mean. I definitely will say there was there was probably another good 15 minutes worth of questions that I had lined up and ready to go uh, that I definitely didn't get to ask. And I know Phil saw that, um, obviously, with my preparation or over-preparation, as I like to do sometimes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think you kind of hit on it just now and, and even in the intro. Um, I, I feel like even though I am a media person, I feel like at least – I think half of this job sometimes, if you want to call it a job, um, is to not be an asshole, first and foremost. And
1: hey, that's <laughs> hard for some of us. OK,
0: especially for me sometimes. Yeah. But on the flip side of that is that I think if you come in there, obviously show that you're you've put in your work, even if it's only for 15 minutes or whatever and that you ask good shit and you can tell that, like, you've actually done your homework, then I think the people you're interviewing tend to be more apt to want to have a conversation with you. Something Phil even kind of has said, and a handful of other people have said, is even, you know, uh, after the fact of maybe something making some headlines or whatever, they go, you know, at least, like, I know that... Like, I stand behind everything I said. Secondly, like, at least I know that the interview that I did wasn't a waste of my fucking time because I can't tell you how many times I've done an in-person and it seems like the person just used it as a a cheap way to get a free ticket to the show. And, you know, I never see these interviews posted anywhere. I never get tagged. I never – the band doesn't. And it's like – so a lot of times, you know, I guess it can be from their perspective an instance of, you know, a a time waste when really, like, the – touring sometimes it you know there's a lot of downtime but there's still even stuff that you got to do or maybe have to do for yourself if you run a business or something as well and so especially given the unique opportunity to go do this on on the tour bus uh it was kind of I, I definitely wanted to i didn't know i was going to do it on the tour bus but I'm, I'm glad i was fully prepared like i typically am because then i didn't feel like i was also impeding on their personal space and completely wasting their time in their home basically
1: Right, yeah, I mean, there's so much give and take too to this whole interview thing you sometimes sometimes I feel like you know we're doing like like they're doing us a favor just by talking to us, yeah, for sure, um, and, and the reality of it though is that it it is very much a give and take where you know, like you said, you know people show up to do an interview or they'll show up to quote unquote take pictures, you know, and you know you never see the pictures posted online, you never hear the interview come out, you never see any of that stuff, and it's like really kind of um, will will lead to an environment where, you know, artists won't be as willing to. You know, we always complain that, oh, they always want to see our numbers and see our stats and see all this stuff before we talk to them. But I think a lot of that now is just kind of weeding out the bullshit. You know, there's only so many hours in the day to talk to somebody, you know, and if it, if, if they're not going to take it seriously, then why why does the artist waste their time? Um, and that's what I like about an interview like this is that, you know, it, it is going to get shared. It is going to get posted, you know, and it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be give and take. You're going to find things out about Philobonte in the interview that you didn't know. Um, you're going to very much find out about what their plans are, what their outlook on life is, uh, at this moment, following the tragic events of just the past few months, you know? Um, uh, and, and that, that's the kind of thing that, that that I enjoy about doing a show like this is that yes, they absolutely are doing us a favor by even talking to us, but I'd like to think we're giving something back.
0: I think, I think for me, and I I definitely didn't say this to you leading up to it. I was really kind of stressing about what I was going to say and how everything was going to go because, you know, obviously the Phil thing that broke, the news of the new record coming out and very quickly. And we talked about the rollout and all that kind of stuff and how quickly they did it. Um, so, I mean, there, you know, I was tied to this new record because of that, like basically being the person who the, the site or the thing that broke the news of, Hey, here's a new record coming. And then like, what a week later, here comes fuck love. Like, boom. Yeah. Uh, so I almost feel like maybe even Phil was like, okay, like maybe he said that to a couple of people and it was just a matter of like, okay, who's, who's things going to get picked up first. Right. And then, you know, I ended up talking to Aaron uh, when that tour was done. And by the time we did that interview and put out that interview, again, about a week later, the news of Oli passing happened. So it's just been I was kind of thinking about how all these things just keep happening every time I talk to one of the people in this band. And I don't know. I just I I don't know. I just felt very I feel like I, you know. Every time I've talked to someone, there's this the level of respect that they give us uh, being a very small DIY podcast. And so I feel like any any and every time I talk to anyone from this band, I feel like there needs to be this sense of uh, respect given back to them. And especially given how kind of ensconced and everything we were there for you know, about a month and a half. At least from my perspective. Maybe maybe I'm making that up and it, it didn't feel that way to you or anybody else, but it, it feels that way to me.
1: No, I definitely feel it. Uh you know, the way the way it all just kinda creeped up on us. Um I think we were actually doing well, I think we were doing an episode when uh Yeah we when weren't. the when the news broke. Um for some reason I'm always the bearer of bad news whenever we're doing these <laughs> I'm Like, hey, John, have you looked on blabbermouth? what? no, oh my God, you know, like it was <laughs> uh, and I remember I actually remember that episode taking a very big it had it had a huge uh, change in tone yep. <laughs> for the rest of it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think Phil's a good dude despite people maybe not always liking his opinion on things. But I always enjoy hearing you talk to them, and uh, I'm hoping hoping the next time that uh, that we do this that uh, I'll get a chance to come on, even if it's one of those, like, you, you're on the tour bus and you're handing him your phone you're like, say hi to Dan, and I'll be like, hi Dan, and that'll be it, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I'm um, definitely hoping next time, Phil kind of made a mention of this, but uh, next time that uh, we'll get some more time. Uh, to do something, and you know, I would love it to be something like how it was with Aaron, where maybe the tour is done, and we schedule like a 35-40 minute conversation with him, uh, where there's no time limit, there's no show, there's no press, there's no nothing else to do. It's just you know Phil giving us you know a nice decent amount of time to just kind of talk through some shit. Um, but always appreciative of his time. I, I definitely feel like he is a very in demand, uh, artist in the metal metalcore scene. Uh, very outspoken and honest, and I. I always appreciate that about him, whether I agree with everything he says or not is completely irrelevant. But um, I do got to say, if you go if you get the opportunity to go see All That Remains right now, go do it. Um, I posted on my Facebook about how All That Remains was playing a very lean and mean set starts off with fuck love. I mean, you're going into st- like some of the the more brutal hits off of the Fall of Ideals. Like, I would say the softest song, if you you know, on the whole set was uh, "What If I Was Nothing." And I think, if I understood the Phil correctly during the set, was they had a little bit of extra time, so they had time for one more song, and that was the extra song they threw in. Otherwise, oh, wow. it would have been two weeks and uh, six. I think was one of the other ones, but yeah, it was just basically all the brutal shit off of the new record. Uh, and just hits and blast beats and, 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 and all that kind of serious riffage and n- nary really a, uh, a clean verse or a clean chorus uh, for most of their like 45-minute set or so. Um, so if you get a chance to see them right now, I feel like it is a band who is reinvigorated, and if you were not a fan of the softer stuff, don't worry, you're not going to get much of that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think the only mistake that they've made in this uh, particular set of tours that they've been doing is going on tour with Inflames, but you know that's a whole different conversation.
0: Yeah, that was a, a slightly interesting crowd. Um, I don't think Inflame... I think a couple of tours ago, the Inflames, all that remains, would have made a lot more sense. Uh, based on the set I saw, it would almost be like the only way... And granted, I had I ended up leaving before Inflames went on, uh, for obvious reasons, but... Uh, Uh The only way that I I think In Flames would have been able to put on equally as good of a set is if they would have basically stuck from everything from Come Clarity forward and then whatever heavy songs they may have that are quote-unquote newer. But to me, All That Remains did the best thing of playing all heavy hits off the new record and then all the heavy hits from the you know Fall of Ideals, uh, Overcome, and a few other of the albums and basically just kept it real pissed off. And to me, it's like that was when... All That Remains is at their best.
1: Yeah, that'd be interesting to see. If uh, I don't think it's coming to my town, but if it did, I definitely would. I'd watch All That Remains. Uh, probably, I don't know. I might stick around and see In Flames out of some kind of morbid curiosity, but cloud connected
0: wasn't as far into the set list i would have stayed but i had no interest in basically sticking around to the very end to hear cloud connected
1: i just can we talk about this for a second are we allowed to talk about this uh sure so you know i we have i haven't talked about the new in flames yet on on my podcast so this is like a world exclusive yeah um like if anybody actually gives a shit what i think but the whole thing is is that I I don't know what album people have been listening to because I'm just seeing it all over Facebook and media and uh, just I'm seeing it on all these review sites that, Oh, it's the best album that they've ever put out. It's, it's the perfect combination of ingredients. And I listened to the album and it essentially made me feel physically ill while I was listening to it. And I, I realized there's two types of people in the world. There's people that know what I'm talking about and there's, people that like anything after come clarity by inflamed um and, and i just i wonder and i'm I'm starting to develop a little bit of a theory that if a band is around long enough like it doesn't matter what the quality of their output is people are just going to be so excited to see a familiar name come across their desk that they're like oh yeah this is definitely uh this is definitely awesome this is the best thing they've ever done I mean, as far as I can tell, their their newest album like doesn't even distinguish itself at all from their previous album, Battles. And uh, that's a little uh, that's a little disappointing. And I, I I think I think the real reason behind all of it is that I don't hate In Flames. I I actually love In Flames, just like I love one of my kids. And so I, I just want to see them do better. You know.
0: I think that's the thing. You know, and I admittedly, like I just said. I haven't listened to an in Flames record, honestly, since Come Clarity, where I listened to the whole thing. Come Clarity had its moments, and it kind of, I think, helped carry it through its, its not-so-great things, in my opinion. But, with that being said, I wasn't a big fan of the single they put out, where everyone's like, oh my god, they're back! To me, it's like you have everything from Clayman, Horacle, I mean, Jester Race... I mean, shit, all those classic records. And other than, obviously, members coming and going, it just makes me wonder, like, what the fuck happened? Because some people would even say by the time you got to... What is the one with Cloud Connected?
1: That's a uh, Reroute to Remain.
0: That's right. So on that record, like, a lot of people were starting to be like, oh, they're starting to go pop on that record. And
1: Yeah, yeah, I heard a lot of that when it came out.
0: And to me... I don't necessarily know that it went pop. I think it just had better production. And, you know, that's something I'm a stickler yeah. for. But.
1: It was definitely geared to, to widen the Inflames audience, but it was done with enough respect to their legacy. that, like in my book, it, it got a free pass. And maybe people feel that way about the later Flames albums. But like with there being so many of them in a row that have just been god awful. I mean, there's, there's just no other way to put it. And I don't like to be a totally negative guy. I just don't think that Anders has a good singing voice for the most part. No. And it, it it's frustrating to hear all the shit that they throw onto his voice to try to make it sound good. And it's kind of <laughs> like, dude, this guy is an, excellent, is an excellent harsh vocalist. Yeah. So I don't understand. But even his harsh vocals now sound like, you know, uh, I think a reviewer said it best uh on their soundtrack to your escape album where they said the vocalist sounds like jonathan davis from corn getting his foot smashed with a hammer <laughs> is what the <laughs> what the screamed vocals are starting to sound like and it's just so disappointing because this is a band that you know in the late 90s would have been considered legendary like spoken in hush conversations like oh yeah and then in flames and they got this album out called colony and it's so fucking good you know uh, and with In Flames now, it's just one of those like, it, you know, a lot of the metalcore bands that came out in the early 2000s lifted their song ideas and riffs and everything from In Flames, like directly. Mm-hmm. Like if those dudes, if those dudes hired a huge uh, a lawyer, they they would be millionaires and never have to write another note. Um, That'd be nice. And then by the time you get to Come Clarity though, like they're basically they're basically copying the metalcore bands that are popular at the time who in turn had copied off of the old in flame. So it's like, it's, it's kind of like John takes a high quality photo of something on his phone and then sends it to me. Well, then the, the cellular character, you know, the cellular carrier fucking, you know, lowers the quality of the original picture he took. So then I get that, but then to preserve it forever, I pull out a fucking Polaroid, and take a picture of my phone on it. That's the type of quality drop-off we're looking at within Flames. Yeah. I just had to get that out there. I'm sorry. I know it has nothing to do with Phil or the the conversation. I just uh, It's been on my mind for a while, and uh, like you said, we haven't talked in a while, so I felt like our listeners just needed to hear that.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I uh, really couldn't have said it any better myself. Like I said, I, I dropped off many years ago, and I have no qualms with saying that. And it seems like a lot of longtime Inflame fans, Inflames fans are the same way, just like All That Remains. I feel like this was the record, honestly, that brought a lot of old school fans back. And it definitely seems like a lot of people really dig this new record. Um so excited to see what this record does for them Uh, kind of in wrapping up uh, if you would like to keep up with All That Remains you can find them at alltheremainsonline.com. find them on Facebook and Instagram at Remains or Twitter at ATRHQ and you can find Phil on Instagram and Twitter at Remains. and if you would like to keep up with MetalNexus.net you can find them where I just said or you can go to Facebook at MetalNexus Instagram at Metal.Nexus and Twitter at Metal underscore Nexus Dan, where can people find you?
1: You can find me on Facebook under Daniel Terry. You can find me on Twitter. I almost said Instagram, but I'm not on Instagram because I suck. But on Twitter, you can find me under Discuss Metal Dan, and you can find my other podcast, Discography Discussion, at DiscussMetal.com.
0: And if you would like to keep up with all things the podcast, you can find us. And here's the fun thing. I just changed this. Simply enough, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Bruce Pod. I got tired of having to do different names and shit like that, so simply put, we are under Speak Pod. And if you would like to email us, you can email us at brutallyspeaking at gmail.com. And if you would like to keep up with our show sponsor, The Bean Bastard, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram at The Bean Bastard, or you can go buy their delicious coffee at thebeanbastard.com. Uh, let them know that we sent you if you do buy a bag. Uh, we're still doing the contest. Uh, it's not going tremendously well, so uh, keep that in mind. But we are giving away the coffee scrub. Uh, if once we get up to – fuck it, I'll change it now. Uh, if we can get up to 600 likes on Facebook, I will pick a person at random to give it away to. Just
1: ask your Just ask your grandma to like the page. That's all you got to do.
0: Yeah, just, just tell people to, to like the page. Simple as that. And uh, with that, we are going to get out of here. So for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I'm Dan. And we'll talk to you guys next time.